stop the signal. All right. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of The Signal. It's been a few months, I guess, since uh, the last episode. It's been since early January. been a little bit uh, of a slouch so far in 2022 when it comes to releasing these uh, individual episodes. But uh, this one is going to be pretty cool because it's going to be a little bit of a look back. I had gone on Rollo and Slappy show. Uh, as it turns out, I think it was February 17th of 2020. So um, think about all of the world events that had yet to happen and and were, we were, were on the verge of happening that we had no idea at the time. Um, and we were I was discussing with Rollo, who's joining me today, uh, the game theory behind Bitcoin, particularly as it as it uh, applies to nation states uh, and individual actors during the, I guess, the adoption phase. Is that what you would say, Rollo? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so uh, Rolo is here. I'm sure everybody is familiar with him, and uh, and so we wanted to record an episode where we looked back and and looked at what we were talking about back then, which was two you know two years and a month ago, almost two years exactly ago, um, and and see what we got right, see what we got wrong, and uh, just kind of discuss it. So Rolo, before we started the episode, uh, we were talking about when when we listened to that last episode and I guess I'll, I'll throw that in the show links. I think, do you remember what the episode number was? Uh, 184. 184. So Rolo I know that. Yeah, I know that because I referenced that episode all the time. Oh really? Yeah. It, it's actually pretty, it, it's pretty like spooky. How, like, you know, there, yeah. there was some stuff that we said that that was like really, really right on. And, mm-hmm. uh, and it happened really soon after that episode. And I, I don't think I realized it. Um, but uh, it, it was definitely a little bit spooky. I was dry. I was, we were just talking, I had to go drive around a neighborhood uh, looking for my friend's dog. So I was listening to it and I was um, taking notes about it, which was probably pretty unsafe, but nonetheless <laughs> uh, it happened and uh, no harm, no foul. Uh, so uh, how do we want to kick, how do we want to kick this thing off? I'm, I mean, do we want to kind of take it? I, I don't really know if there's a good way to take it point by point be, because you'd have to go back. We'd have to go back and reference everything from the episode or do we want to just jump around willy nilly? Uh, jumping around willy nilly is kind of my deal. So okay, I'm good with that. Cool. So, um, I took, like I said, I took a couple of notes and, uh, and they're in chronological order. Um, again, this episode was February 17th, 2020. So that was a month almost to, to the date before the COVID restrictions happened, uh, in the United States. Um, they had already been sweeping through uh, other countries. I think at that point, Italy and China, um, and, and probably some other countries were in the, in the midst of really, really cracking down and going nuts. Um, you, you know, what's kind of funny is towards the end of the episode, one of us kind of made a comment, kind of a throwaway almost about being like, yeah, and we see these governments going crazy with the COVID stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Little yes. did we know. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> I think it, about that. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I, 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 I like was laughing to myself in the, in the car, uh, about that this morning. Um, I think that I think it was me that said that I if, I'd have to go back and listen, but yeah, we we just like kind of laughed it off, and little do we know, you know, a few weeks later. Well, uh, because right around that, you were doing your stuff where you were doing all that research, and I had you and Bird on the Ryle and Slappy show for like a quick bonus episode, just like randomly be like, "Yo, let's talk about this because all this COVID stuff they're talking about, it's all bullcrap, and here's why." Yeah. And so yeah. we're just kind of like, "Well, it's just it's so obviously stupid and fake that right. nothing's ever gonna." Yeah. Yeah. And in fairness, you know, um, 
this was before, I think that was before I, I think when I did a really, really deep dive, like going through and analyzing all the peer reviewed stuff, that was a month later, but I think I'd already kind of had the, I think everybody kind of had the inkling like, uh, this seems a little bit weird. Um, yeah, I probably listened to that episode about a, I have no idea. It might've been not that long. It might've been longer than I think, but I think everything we said was spot on in that, in that COVID thing. Yes. Oh, I, yeah. I don't, I don't remember a time that I occupied a position other than what I have notoriously been occupying pretty much the entire time. And not just me, you, you as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, but just to set the stage. So this was two years ago. Um, the other funny thing was that the Bitcoin having had not happened yet. Um, not that that's a super big, no, no, because it was in March, it was in March or April or May. No, it was in May, I think of 2020. So it it was, it was coming up. We mentioned that, that the, the having was coming up. Um, we were talking about how lightning was established and it was coming along, but it still was, you know, I I don't think we were saying (laughs) it wasn't usable, but you know, it's, it's, it's just crazy to look back and, and look at how things change so quickly, even though it does, sometimes it doesn't feel that way. Um, and I think particularly when, you know, the most exciting thing, whether, and I don't, I won't speak for you, but for, for me, the most just on the surface, exciting thing is when Bitcoin is just going nuts, like the price, because mm-hmm. it gets everybody involved and you get to see people in hysterics and you get to see people excited and you get to see people down and you get, you know, and, and, and so, uh, you know, a lot of the last year, um, has been rather muted in that regard. Um, and so you look back and you're like, and it feels like every day you're like, ah, not a lot ha- is happening, but two years when, when you go back and listen to something from two years ago, like, Jesus Christ, it's completely different at this point. Um, yeah, I agree. You know, what's also funny is at the end of the episode, um, I asked you to do the, uh, free market success story, yeah. which we haven't done on the show in forever. Um, but that's beside the point, but I made the comment, you brought up fold. And I made the comment about like, oh, this is really good for people that like, you know, live on a Bitcoin standard, get paid in Bitcoin Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, how, how nice it would be for them to be able to kind of move in and out of, of, of Bitcoin into, you know, a a, a version of fiat that allows them to kind of conveniently operate. And then, you know, two years later, (laughs) neither of us have fiat anymore. Right. And we're operating on a Bitcoin standard. Pretty much a Bitcoin standard. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, And and I don't think any, I know I wouldn't have thought that like, yeah, in two years, I wouldn't have any fiat anymore. No. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of ridiculous. And um, hopefully this episode is not us entirely just patting ourselves on the back, but it, it, it is kind of uncanny. Um, yeah. The degree to which we, we did, uh, get some things, Get well, a lot I, of things I, right. I I think it's okay, uh, and, and obviously, you know, it's <laughs> it's okay for us to pat ourselves on the back. But like, if you look at why, like, why were we making the calls that we were? Right. Yeah. We're we're basing it on real information, right? And good, you know, call back to first principles. And yeah. so we had good reasons. Now, a lot of the stuff we didn't get the exact outcome right because there's a lot of things that we weren't aware of what was going on and we kind of you know talked about that but we understood what the incentive structure is yeah here. exactly exactly and we so, were show, we were showing our work right right and so we got you know we might have gotten like the the nitty-gritty details perfectly right but like it played out in a way you know, if, if you gave us inputs and said, well, what if these are these certain inputs, then mm-hmm. we would, we would, 
you know, gotten it right on the right path. So, yeah. yeah, I think I think it's not so much to be like, oh, look how smart we are. It's just no, look at how what happens when you apply first principles correctly, and you yeah. understand how logic and reason work. Yeah, yeah, you, you did. Can, you you the, can arrive generally you, where yeah, if you have the right um, framework and you have the and you can reasonably guess some inputs, you can even a even someone who's not terribly bright can can arrive at a pretty reasonably sound conclusion. I mean, I think that's a, a pretty fair statement. So one of the first things, so my first note was, um, it's, I, and the note just says smaller countries embrace Bitcoin, um, six, but 60, and, and I think these are two disjointed notes. Um, so it says smaller countries may embrace Bitcoin and that, you know, that's something that, yeah, actually let's, I'm going to take these two notes as, as different. Uh, bullet points. So my first note is smaller countries will embrace Bitcoin. And that's something that we were talking about. I think we actually were guessing which countries it would be. And I was hoping that we would say Central America and no, and we, we didn't. didn't. Uh, uh, but it but it was interesting. We you know it, that we spent um you know probably 10 minutes talking about actually in the front of the episode and I think also in the back of the episode talking about how we thought that this would be a golden opportunity for a lot of smaller countries who didn't have the clout fiscally uh, monetarily on the global stage to uh, you know, throw a knockout punch or at least punch above their weight class by embracing Bitcoin. Of course, this was in February of 2020. What happened, what, a year late, a year and a half later? Mm-hmm. El Salvador legalizes Bitcoin um, or, or cre- um, allows Bitcoin to be a legal tender within within El Salvador. Um, so that, that was pretty cool. And, and we have, and there's at least rumors of other countries doing it. And I think Honduras, uh, there's rumors about them doing it. Oh, uh, really? That was one of the countries I guessed not long after that, just because Saifedina Moose accidentally referred to El Salvador as Honduras. And so that's oh, really? going to be the next country. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think I've seen rumor and you know, they're rumors. I, who knows it, you know, the, the, right. the, the hype around it is always so it's, it's tough to separate signal from noise, but, um, uh, that, that was, that was something that I was pretty pleased with. Um, do you have any thoughts on that? Uh, yeah. One of the things we were talking about with that was, was cause a lot of the way we framed the conversation was around mining because mm-hmm. it was about, mm-hmm. we were, we were kind of talking about the U S versus China, but one of the things we talked about was, uh, you know, kind of a, I think you described it as a middling country. Yeah. And one that had access to cheap energy. And the way we saw it play out in El Salvador was that if they're going to adopt Bitcoin and become friendly to it and, they're, and they realize like, oh, we have these volcanoes that we can harvest geothermal energy. And so there's like your cheap, abundant energy source that like, and that's so- not something that I anticipated very well back then, but that like, there's a lot of what Bitcoin does is that it makes unprofit previously unprofitable energy sources profitable mm-hmm. because you don't need to create infrastructure to send that energy out. You can use the energy right there to mine Bitcoin as opposed to like a lot of these natural gas wells in the U S they weren't profitable. So they would just flare off because yep. it's, you know, it, you didn't get, um, it wasn't worth, uh, it, it wasn't an, a, a positive economical thing to either build a pipeline or truck it out or something. 
Uh, so it's just kind of like stranded. It's this idea of stranded energy, but Bitcoin fixes that problem because you just need an internet connection. As long as you right. can get that out there, then any sort of harvestable, usable energy becomes economical. So uh, it's, it's, you know, who would have thought that you'd be mining Bitcoin with volcanoes, basically? Yeah, yeah. And, and to tease that out or to, to, to explain that a little bit further, because I don't think I've covered that concept on this show. What, what uh, Roll is talking about is the, this concept where previously unusable energy, because it's just so far away or, or removed from, from uh, existing infrastructure, is not able to be used under, profitably under current conditions because of the need for infrastructure. So like if you have like, let's say Siberia, I'm just throwing something out there, like Siberian oil. Now I know that they are getting oil in Siberia and getting it to market because it is profitable right now. But think about it like that. Some, some energy source that's very far away that the only conceivable way we know or prior to Bitcoin of making that extraction um, uh, profitable and therefore doable um, prior to Bitcoin was getting it to market as energy for consumers um, in our previous kind of worldview, I guess. Um, and and now you don't actually have to get it to market in a sense, or rather maybe more specific, more, more accurately, the market has come to the energy source because now all you need is that internet connection to connect to the Bitcoin network. And you can use that energy that is perhaps far removed from society um, and you can convert it into security for the Bitcoin network, um, which is a very profitable enterprise. Yeah, you can immediately convert it to a marketable good or asset right. at the site as opposed to having a transport. And and even something like, like electricity has a lot of costs. Like if Loss. you want to transport, yeah, yeah, uh, it's, it's, you know... Yeah, there, you, it's you, like you need friction, the, the, if you will. Yeah, you need the, the initial capital lines. expenditure of getting the power lines and all that. Um, and then you also need to maintain those power lines. And then you also get a lot of loss if you're going to transmit electricity. Like, So, for example, if they were to create a, a an oil uh, power plant in Siberia so that they didn't have to truck the oil to, uh, you know, Western Russia in order to... to um, uh, convert it to electricity there, you still have to, con you still have to send it over to Western Europe and that would be over power lines, which again, creates a bunch of loss. There is some realistic, uh, uh distance that you, that you it's can like feasibly 200 do miles or something. So yeah, I think it's something like it's, that. It's pretty short. It is. Yeah. Um, so, the, so with all of that, we got all of the inputs correct. Um, and I think that the country we threw out there was Venezuela. We did mention Venezuela, yeah, because because it satisfied all of those previous inputs, but we didn't think about the volcano. Like, why would you think about? G I mean, in retrospect, it's obvious, but I did right. I didn't think about it. I I was just like, oh, well, Venezuela has very cheap oil, so obviously it makes sense for Venezuela. Um, they're they're you know their own currency is a disaster, and they're yeah. using the dollar, but yeah. But on the other hand, you also have to con consider the 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 state of affairs with the governance of that of that nat nation and Venezuela is a basket case and, and has been for a long time. So I guess that's right. probably part a big reason why they have not ventured into this yet. Well, I think that's what you mentioned too, is that in, in order for Bitcoin to thrive, you need cheap energy and a stable legal system. Mm -hmm. And say what you will about the El Salvadoran government, but they're like generally fairly conservative. Yeah. Um, which tends to lead to more stability 
for yeah. your legal stuff because when you have leftist agenda comes in, it just creates chaos and no mm-hmm. one knows how to act because, you know, you know, you look at someone and they look like a man, but they say they're a woman. <laughs> like, but no, that, that's, that's part of it. Like that's, that's what chaos is when, when yeah, yeah, there's sure. disorder like that. So, you know, more conservatively minded, uh, politics or whatever. I, I think people understand what I'm trying to get at, um, lend itself to, to stability like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I think any, any government that, um, is, well, yeah, I, I think that, I think that about sums it up, but I mean, obviously Venezuela's government is less stable than El Salvador's government. And you can right. say a bunch of bad things about El Salvador's government and, and trust me, I will join you. Sure. Uh, but at the end of the day, I, th- it, it appears to me that their idea of property rights are a little bit more secure than they are in Venezuela. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of what you would, you would need to see something like this erupt. I mean, you're not going to spend, um, millions of dollars in capital expenditures under an unstable regime to mine Bitcoin. You would just simply buy the Bitcoin. Um, right. if you had the millions, uh, you know, so that's kind of the difference between the, the, the individual escaping versus, uh, an individual or a group of individuals in a business establishing a presence, uh, you know, having the ability to establish a presence and an ongoing, bi- you know, profitable business. Um, because, you know, you could buy the millions of Bitcoin and that's certainly going to be good for whatever individual that, that did that. But being able to mine uh, pr- profitably over the course of time and having um, some reasonable assurance that uh, your property is not going to be confiscated, um, yeah, and, and there are no guarantees, but uh, having some better reassurance that your property is not going to be immediately confiscated ha- has allowed El Salvador to take that step, whereas Venezuela is probably still mired in um, uncertainty with that regard. Yeah. Communism is terrible. Don't do it. Yeah, it sucks. It sucks. Um, so speaking well, and, of that, and, and, and but like that provides credence to what we were saying. It's like Venezuela was probably the you know a prime time place for Bitcoin, but yeah. because of you know the, the basket case of the government, due to you know the communistic nature of it, compared to you know a more I don't want to call it capitalistic, but a, just say better. Not yeah. not as terrible of a government um, when you compare it to El Salvador. Um, well, whatever I like muddle all that up, but like El Salvador is a better government or less bad than Venezuela. Yeah, um, you, you see what happened. Like Venezuela's, you know, behind the eight ball and and keeping themselves down because they the system's so terrible it doesn't. It doesn't allow them to take advantage of this just like glaring, beautiful opportunity for them. And it, it's not conducive to wealth uh, development. I mean, at, at the right. end of the day, that, that's that's what it is. I mean, you, you to, to in order to develop wealth and quality of life, you have to have some assurance of property rights. Yeah. Um, so so that's been I think that's that's a big takeaway of seeing how things played out that we can add to our model looking forward that it's probably not going to be you know, a, uh, a government that leans leftist that's going to, even though it would be, you know, a, a much greater shot in the arm to them. I mean, yep. if Venezuela adopted Bitcoin as legal, legal tender, it would have been a much bigger leap for them economically than El Salvador 
but because of those tendencies of their of the of the leftism or whatever that it's preventing them from even looking at that as a as a solution so yeah it's probably something you know we can add to the model and say all right it's going to be more governments that are they're maybe more right wing that are going to uh yeah. adopt it yeah yeah i think that's a fair i think that's a fair statement until more data arrives i mean but i, right. I don't i don't imagine that that's going to be reversed um, yeah. And and to take it further into the, my next point, um, so Venezuela has just simply opted not to become involved, at least on a national level, with Bitcoin and Bitcoin mining. Um, but there was one big country that decided to shoot themselves in the foot. And it's funny um, that we were talking about this so shortly before this happened, but this was back when the 60% of mining is in China, FUD, was going on. Was going on. And it's not like that's unreasonable FUD, I guess. I mean, there, there's a lot of reasons f- from a technical standpoint of the network that, yeah, it is kind of unreasonable. Um, but, you know, I, I, th- I think it's I, I think that we all look back at what happened as a generally good thing, even though it kind of probably doesn't matter, uh, at least to the Bitcoin network. But we were talking about the the constant FUD over the fact that 60 percent of the mining or, you know, there's really no great way to estimate it. But but probably a good bulk of the mining was under was within the geographical boundaries of China. And um, and so this was back in 2020. And then very famously, at least within Bitcoin circles, not a year and a half later, Bitcoin, uh, China finally banned mining within within their within their boundaries. And that led to what Bitcoiners have been calling the Great Migration, which is the migration of hash rate out of China, um, which was a, a really interesting geopolitical development that we, that we were noting. And then that happened. Um, you know, China does, it feels obviously threatened as every nation state probably should by the existence of Bitcoin. Um, not that they can stop it, but they, you know, in their ham fisted way, uh, d- just decided to try to stop it. And in so doing, uh, it certainly looks like ejected a bunch of miners out of China, which I think we, and this is goes into a prediction more than a, than looking back at, at what we were talking about. But I think that that will be looked at as one of the great blunders of human history. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. in ten years. Yeah, that was really interesting, and that it was funny because we were talking a lot about governments and how much they would allow mining to to exist in there, and. Um, it, I feel like we gave the Chinese government too much credit in yeah. hindsight uh-huh. is that I don't, they, you know, I, I don't, I don't have, I don't know what cards they're holding, so I don't know what their, their play is, but, um, our kind of model was that they were going to seize control of the miners, that they were going to, you know, all of a sudden bust down doors and say, like, yeah. all right, these are ours now. Um, but instead they said, Hey, you're not allowed to do this anymore. And they just all left the country. Yeah. And a lot of them actually, you know, are still there, Mm -hmm. but they have kind of, you know, local officials, government officials that are kind of friendly to it because they make, are able to, you know, make money off it too, maybe indirectly, but, um, you know, they help, help these miners like, Oh, the feds are coming. Let's, uh, you know, gotta, gotta hide it and everything. Uh, but yeah, uh, like I, I, 
and we made comments about it too, that, you know, we don't expect these governments to necessarily know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, exactly. But yeah, I would have thought it, it just, it, it was beautiful. It was beautiful how it all worked out because China, you know, quote unquote banned mining and no one outside of like the Bitcoin circles that like pay attention to this stuff even knew it happened because the hash rate took a hit a little bit, but like blocks still got mined. Yep. The price didn't really change that much. And if you weren't paying attention to what was going on in kind of the technical Bitcoin news circles, you would have had no idea that that happened. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. If, you, if, you, if you were just a Bitcoin user and had really no clue what was going on in the same way that we're internet users and don't really, or at least for me, I don't really right. understand the internet protocol and TCP, you know, at a, at a, at a fundamental level, like I do the Bitcoin network, I would have no idea. I would have had yeah. no, no, no clue. Um, yeah. Like, it, it, like you said, the, 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 the hash moved out, the hash rate took a hit. Um, and it was a fairly sizable hit, but it still was not like huge, huge, huge. I mean, it was not devastating. The block slowed down a little bit. We got to the next difficulty adjustment. Um, and, uh, and things normalized. And then, you get you. This was a really fascinating part. Is you got to see the miners redeploy um, through the hash rate as the hash rate just started to creep up and up and up and up and up. It was really that was a really really cool thing to watch in in real time while knowing kind of what was going on. Yeah, so that was all like really neat to see that on the on on to speak to that that you know Bitcoin's incredibly resilient and the market worked really well, and then also. That apparently, from what we can gather, governments understand what's going on way less than we give them credit for. Yeah, yeah. Because knowing what we know, if we were in the Chinese government, knowing, yeah, take them. Don't let them. them. Do not let them leave your country. Take them. Keep them in your legal jurisdiction and take them. Yeah, that 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 was such a big blunder. It seems to me. you know, and all of this is with the one caveat of, and I, and I don't believe this. I know you don't believe this. I don't think there's any, any reasonable data to support this, but it's like, if they have some, you know, knowledge that they can break this thing down in other ways, you know, in the future, if they need to, but I right. think that's, that's pretty, that, that yeah. the it, likelihood is, yeah, I don't think they would have let it come to this at this point, even if you're just not going to analyze it at a technical level, even if you're going to analyze it at, at like a human, like a watching human actions kind of level. I just don't think that's a, a reasonable, I think, I think it's v- far more likely that they're, they just f- freaked out and used the heavy hand that they know, which is just illegalizing something. Yeah. And just so the listeners understand why we're kind of discounting that outcome uh is that if they figured out a way to break bitcoin which basically means that they broke sha 256 yeah there would be so many other things going on yes because there'd be so many other so many other like data dumps on that data dumps of everything governments have ever done yeah and so you know this this game theory kind of thing that like someone who has access to that technology like you really think that they're going to be able to contain themselves and not use it to like massive personal advantage it would be it would be the equivalent of having like a nuclear weapon like it would be a super weapon 
Uh, yeah, yeah. And, we, and, and, and we, we would know about it. Or if they had a quantum computer or something, like, yeah. it, it's, it's, there's, there's going to be way more canaries in the coal mine. Yes. Things that are easier to crack than a Bitcoin private key or the, the mining, mining hash that's going to make it clear that, whoa, something's up. Yes. Like yeah. all your credit, like your credit cards. Yeah, right. Exactly. Would, would <laughs> yeah. all be toast. Yeah, yeah. If someone there... was able to crack, you know, Bitcoin, then like way before they were able to crack Bitcoin with quantum computing, all the credit cards would be toast. Yes. And, and they'd they would be, be stealing, st- stealing money and, and pulling out cash. You know, I mean, they would just be do- going buck wild and stuff that is way uh, easier probably to uh, manipulate. Like, you know, if they were able to break credit cards and stuff like that, you know, they would just have a field day. Yeah, because I and and if it were the Chinese government that that had their hands on this, um, the United States government, the United States economy, the United States hegemony is a much more immediate threat to China than yeah. Bitcoin is. So, if Bitcoin had access to that technology and that they could basically just junk our entire credit card system yeah, by doing a quantum computing attack. They would have done that instantly. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And, and, um, I think that brings us uh, to the next, I've got two notes here and that it's an interesting segue. So, um, I've got in quotes, we asked basically would all world governments collude against mm-hmm. Bitcoin? This is a big part of Bitcoin game theory is like what it would take to bring down the Bitcoin network. And so, you know, the, it's a question is, is often posed, would, would world governments collude to shut it down because I, we think that's what it would take because, you know, if you look at what happened with China and expelling all of their miners, well, they just went somewhere else, right? They, they redeployed elsewhere. So then you say, okay, well, what would it take? Okay. Would China and the United States uh, collude to both expel Bitcoin miners? And then it's like, well, there's still plenty of energy sources, so they would probably go there, you know, so you would have to get to the situation where all governments collude in order to shut down Bitcoin mining and, and tear down the security of the network. And I have this other bullet point that I would like to insert into the discussion before we kick it off. And that is I have NATO versus BRICS. Will they stab each other in the back? And I think that is a really, really fascinating point that we covered that is really coming to light right now as we see East and West really beginning to redivide uh, monetarily, like in a macro way, um, yeah. we've seen uh, we've seen Russia getting, and I don't, I haven't, I'm not up to date on exactly all the specifics of what the United States is um, uh, sanctioning, but the overall picture is that they're trying to use sanctions to kick to to really increase friction for Russia to trade while they're you know involved in their shenanigans in the Ukraine. And Russia is looking for allies. And of course, the BRICS nations are traditional allies or they're, they're not even really allies, but like that's what the NATO tries to paint them as. And that's Brazil, Russia, India, China and South Africa. Um, but we certainly see Russia and China uh, looking to kind of team up. I think there's a lot of friction there between those two countries. It's not talked about a lot in Western media, but um, they're they have a natural enemy. Yeah, um, I don't know where we want to start with this, but it just the way things have been playing out in the last month or so just shows that the likelihood that you're going to have, you know, all of the world governments come to an agreement on something. Yeah, not likely. It's just, yeah, 
it's you could throw that out. And before we continue with the discussion, I don't even think if they all did collude, I don't think they could shut it down. Um, I think no, because all you need is a couple people. Yeah. To start throwing wrenches in it. Right. You know, I mean, basically the entire world colluded to legalize pot. You know, it's like not happening. Sorry, man. Um, It's profitable and people like it. I, you know, I think that's, that's what, all you need. Yeah, it's all you need. <laughs> Demand and, and profit. That's, you know, that's, that's it. So, um, that, uh, I don't, so, so going into the discussion, I don't think even if they did collude, it would really matter, although it could slow down adoption and it could result in more turmoil for soft targets for individuals that are using it. I don't think it would be, I don't think it would be ultimately devastating to the, to the network. But, um, I think that going forward, it is really interesting to note how East and West have divided again, um, at least nominally. And I think that's a good thing for Bitcoin. I think it's a really good thing. And in fact, that's been one of the most bullish indicators to me um, on a fundamental side of uh, for, for Bitcoin and for its rapid adoption has been this divide. Definitely, uh, because there's uh, I mean, you can weaponize Bitcoin. Yeah, if someone, especially if one side starts to be aggressive against it, um, and then on the other hand, if the other, if they just kind of ignore it, it's good for Bitcoin too. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then even just like I, I don't know if I'm changing the, the the subject too much, but we tend to think as governments as like these monolithic uh, organizations that like no, this is a, we, we were talking about this too in the in we were yeah 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 go ahead go ahead uh, that that. You know, oh, be, the the, U, the the Chinese government and the U.S. government, and the Russian government has this incentive to be aggressive against Bitcoin. But like, governments are made up of people, individuals that are all making decisions and all acting in their own self interest. Um, and I can't speak too much to governments outside of the United States because I don't live there. I'm not too familiar with it. But you just look at the United States, and all right, the federal government might have an overall incentive to act a certain way towards Bitcoin. But then you break the United States down. Well, the federal government has a lot of different uh, organizations and and split up into a lot of different parts. So, And then all those parts are made up of people and they might have their own tendencies and, and incentives to, to do certain things. But then you break it down state by state. Yep. And each state is doing their own thing. You've got... Arizona, I think, was uh, someone put a law or, or put a bill up to make Bitcoin legal tender. That's probably not going to go anywhere, but that's like a fantastic indicator of where things are going is that that's not even something that's just going to like, can you imagine that when we we're talking about two years ago that the yeah. that a, a state government was putting up a bill, even if it didn't really have a chance that the fact that even it was it was out there. Yeah, because yeah. we see these things with like weird leftist agenda stuff that like, oh, you know, you can marry a eight year old mm-hmm. and it's like it's got no chance of passing. But like, it's pretty scary that that's even yeah, something that can, can get. Yeah. yeah. So but on the other hand, with with Bitcoin, it's it's like, holy cow. And then you've got, you know, your own state in Texas that you've got, what, three different gubernatorial candidates that are all trying to one up each other on how friendly they are to Bitcoin and they want to become the Bitcoin state and they want to make it legal tender and everything. It's like, yeah. And let me, let me tease out what's bullish about this because, um, for all the people who are on board more or less with the libertarian anarchism that 
you and I uh, subscribe to. This is not bullish because somebody's going to write something down on a piece of paper. Um, the politicians are, are again, the canary in the coal mine. They're responding to pressure. They're responding to popularity. They're responding to demand. Um, the fact that Bitcoin is, is, is being proposed as legal tender in these states is because there's a lot to be gained by people in those states. Um, and they, and they want that, uh, even though they express it in, in, in through, through law or, or however you want to look at it, these bills would not be being proposed if people weren't already doing it. Um, so, so, you know, I don't, at the end of the day, you know, all else equal, if you offer me Bitcoin is legal tender in Texas or it's not, yeah, I'm obviously going to take Bitcoin as legal tender in Texas. But the more, the way more important point is that there is a mass of people here that are very interested in both its use and, um, and the, the mining aspect. That's, that's really killer. I mean, that's, that's a really, really important thing. And you see that being expressed downstream by politicians who are looking for popularity, who are looking for votes. And you can see it in Texas, like you said, Arizona, Wyoming, um, I'm sure a number of other places. Uh, but obviously, I'm most fo- mostly focused in Texas, because uh, they are my, my neighbors. Yeah, it's kind of a weird thing because a lot of times when government makes something legal or whatever, it's seen as like, oh, well, the government's, you have the right to do this anyway, but the government's like granting you this privilege that you kind of already had. Um, but in the case of Bitcoin, it's it's in the long run kind of an inevitability in my yes. view. And so this kind of thing is less of government taking your rights away and then doling them out as they see and more of a capitulation it is. of the state. Yeah, exactly. And that, and that is why, um, you know, I don't really celebrate too much else that the state does, but it is fun to watch them capitulate. Um, and, yeah. and I'm, and I'm not looking for, um, a negotiation with them. I'm looking for unconditional surrender and this is just a sign of it. Yeah, that's that's a lot of people get confused in, in the libertarian circles. They see us celebrating governments being friendly to Bitcoin and they, they say, oh, well, wait, you're celebrating the government granting privileges or something? And it's like, no, it's you have to understand, understand what's going on here, like what happens with you know monetary economics when you have a really hard money that no one can break. Like this is this is a tidal wave. And yep. you either get on and ride it or you try to stand up against it and get absolutely wrecked. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that the governments are becoming friendly to it is not them granting Bitcoin access to people. It's the realization that like we have to do this in order to survive. Yes. As a government. Yep. And they won't ultimately. Right. <laughs> that's, that's, which that's is the thing the we said Which too. is the best part. <laughs> Yeah, we were talking about like that's we we kind of stopped for a second in in that episode we did before and said, all right, this probably sounds weird to libertarians because we're talking about how governments being friendly to Bitcoin is a good thing for Bitcoin. But the great thing about this and what makes us so excited about it is that even though that being friendly to Bitcoin benefits governments in the short term, it corrodes away their ability to maintain power in the long run. And mm-hmm. so the only it's it's just like the ultimate trap for them because it's the a cyanide only, bill. Yeah. The only way they survive in the short term is by being friendly to Bitcoin. 
but that's signing their own death sentence. Yeah. Yep. But it's only to survive for a little bit longer. That's the game right now. It they, is. Like it puts their it puts government Bitcoin puts the government's balls in a mouse trap. Mm-hmm. And it's a game of who whose mouse trap snaps last. Mm-hmm. That's yep. all it is. Yep. Yeah, and um and you know be set, uh, on a side note to that you know, governments are kind of a shelling point for the people that live under them because most people are not libertarians in the way that you and I are. Um, so I do celebrate to some degree them saying Bitcoin is legal tender because it gives it legitimacy and it gives a bunch of people in my area a permit permission to join in. And once they join in, I'm convinced that the product is good enough that they're going to stay in or most of them will. Um, and the more people in my area, in my jurisdiction, um, that are involved, the better it is for me. So, you know, I don't, I, I, again, I hope the government of Texas dissolves and I think they will at, at, at some point and probably in the not terribly distant future. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, in the meantime, it, as people look to them for guidance, not me, but other people, um, the more Bitcoin friendly they are, Hey, that's the better for me the Bitcoin network, but it's better for me because there's a lot of people like if you look at, you know, as we monetize Bitcoin, wealth is going to be distributed around the world in a new, in in a totally new way. And I want wealthy people around me. I want Texas to be wealthy because Mm -hmm. I live here. And so, and I want, you know, America to be wealthy because I live here. And, um, I don't want them to stifle Bitcoin because I don't want to have to move somewhere else uh, cause I like it here, <laughs> you know, I mean, that, that's, that's kind of that. So it, it is exciting to see governments and I don't want to even use the word come around to Bitcoin, get backed into Bitcoin, mm-hmm. um, is probably the better way to put it, uh, because it, it's a sign of the times. Yeah. Government is downstream of culture. Yep. Uh, they can't do anything that's going to get people upset and make them push back. And so whatever they're doing, it's, it's, it's usually they pass a law and most of the time it doesn't really matter if they pass the law or not, because that's already the thing that was, was going on, but they can just kind of take credit and say, oh, look at us being progressive and everything. We passed this law that said X, Y, Z, but you know, everyone was doing all that kind of anyway, um, mm-hmm. yep. with, with, with certain exceptions, um, but like uh, the big thing is like, you know, uh, candidate Obama was against gay marriage, but President Obama, when public opinion changed, was uh, pro gay marriage. Yeah. So like, what is that like? He's, he's just he's just flowing along with whatever is going to be popular. And so that and there's like a, a feedback loop kind of thing because if you're popular then you can suggest things that mm-hmm. since you're popular and going along with stuff that people will just go along with it so there's there's a certain like game that they play with it um but that like kind of political thing can only get you so far compared to the very real thing about preserving your wealth and when there's something out there that like is does a better job of being money politics is not strong enough of a force to fight against that if you can't maintain your standard of living by holding a bad money when there's a better money available to you 
it's just the reality of human nature that you're going to adopt the better money. Mm-hmm. And politics can't really, I mean, they, they can grab some idiots yep. and keep them down. But overall, it's just people just, I, I mean, it, it's it's basic human action. I mean, people yep. do what's in their own best interest. And if they yes. have a way to maintain the value of their wealth better than than what they're doing right now, that's the, what they're going to adopt over time. And I think it's important to note that what we're talking about is descriptive and not prescriptive. Um, right. This is a, this is a, this is just um, notes taken on observing humans. So it's not like every single human needs to inherently understand all of these concepts. Um, they're going to gravitate towards harder money um, because it helps them and they perceive right. that. They don't have to understand any of this theory. Um, they don't need to know who Ludwig von Mises is. They don't need to know any of this shit. Um, it's, they, it's why, I, it's why yeah. I love Gresham's law. Yeah. The idea that uh, under legal tender laws, bad money drives out good money. Mm-hmm. So back in the, and, and anyone understands this, you can ask them, you, you can pick any random person and they're 99% of the time going to get the answer right. They're, you know, they used to make quarters out of silver and yeah. eventually they stopped making them out of silver and knowing that however the amount of silver that's in a quarter when they used to make them out of silver is worth more than the face value of it. And if you had to spend 25 cents and you had a silver quarter and you know the quarter that they mint today, which one are you going to spend? You're going to spend the one they make today because the other one's more valuable. You can melt the silver out and get like, and so people just inherently understand that. So it's not something that you need to be, you know, spend five years studying Austrian economics. And then it's just the, the, the kind of the flip side of that with fears law that when legal tender laws don't apply, that good money drives out bad money. If you have Bitcoin, which is appreciating in value Versus dollars, which is depreciating in value. Which one are you going to spend, and which one are you going to hold on to? Like you don't need to study economics to know that answer, right? Yep. Like this thing's going to buy you ten. You can buy ten apples with each today. Tomorrow, currency A is going to be able to. You're going to be able to buy five apples. Tomorrow, currency B is going to let you buy fifteen apples. And you want to buy a couple apples today. Which one are you going to spend with? Like no yep. one's going to get that answer wrong. No. Yeah. And it takes some discovery to figure that out for uh, across the economy, but it gets figured out. It has to. Yep. Yeah. And, and we're, I think we're really starting to get, you know, to, to, expand on that, I think we're really starting to get to that phase of Bitcoin, which I think is really going to trigger the the beginning stages of hyper-Bitcoinization, which is when we really begin to get into the um, uh, like commerce side of Bitcoin, um, where people are using it to buy goods and services a lot more. We have the scaling figured out, uh, Lightning Network's in place. Um, we have plenty of companies that are making it easier for people to use. Um, and at some point, you know, at some point soon, it will be very, very, you know, I mean, geez, we had, we, we were talking about an episode we did two years ago and look at, at, at the differences between the Bitcoin network then and now, two years from now, I, I don't think it's unreasonable to predict that lightning, 
uh, payments have have infiltrated every aspect of apps and browsers and 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 things like this, um, th- such that it it just becomes it kind of ingrained, you know, part of the zeitgeist. Uh, yeah. maybe, maybe it's three years. I don't, you know, I, maybe it's one year, maybe it's six well, months. I don't know, but, um, we're, but we're weak. We're like at, th- at this point right now, we are probably literally weeks away from a banking service, uh, automatically converting the Bitcoin that you hold with them into fiat for outgoing ACH transfers. Who, wait, who is this level? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's They're right. They're about to roll out level V two, and well, I actually uh, let me take let me roll that back a little bit. Um, they'll do that for your debit card, but they definitely are working on doing that for ACH transfers. So, like, if you're so so, maybe not weeks. Let's say we're months away from a bank that will let you hold Bitcoin or dollars. And when someone requests money out of you or you want to send money out, whether they want Bitcoin or dollars, they just do it automatically for you. Yeah. So slick. Why? It's just so slick. Why would anyone hold dollars? Right. Yeah, exactly. And once that starts gaining popularity, dude, why would you hold dollars? Like you and I don't hold dollars already. No. Right. But a lot of people's criticism of, being on zero or being on negative, whatever you want to call it, is that it's too manual of a process. Which, to be fair, I think is fine. Legitimate. Sure, it, it 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 does add work. It does add annoyance and everything. And and most people, in fairness, I mean, and that's the criticism of the legacy system that we have now is that in order to maintain the value of wealth, you got to play around the stock market, and so you have your. Yeah. 40, 50, 60 hour a week job and you got to come home and spend another 10 to 20 hours a week trying to maintain your portfolio so you don't lose, you don't hemorrhage value mm-hmm. that you created mm-hmm. at your job. Like, yeah, that's messed up. I don't want to have, I want to be able to do my job, make that money and then not have to worry about it. Yeah. I have that money and it's secure as money. Like, you know, you can't say, like, I just want to be able to save the money that I have. So it is it is a big deal to be able to to just have all that automated not have to worry about it so and once that happens i mean like yeah i mean i you know it, it there there's a lot there's a big part of me that that wonders you know if we do if we do another recap of this episode in the same time frame between the last episode that we're talking about and this one we're going to be at the next having right It'll yeah. be 2024 20, in a month. Uh, it will be literally right at the next having. Um, and all of these things are in place and it's easier and easier to hold, uh, spend and receive Bitcoin. Um, even if there's some goofy layers that are going on that maybe for your hyper secure wallet aren't acceptable, but for usability are, I mean, dude, it, it's going to be like, do you remember trying to like, how did we live without smartphones? Yeah, right. Like we yeah. did it for most of our lives. But I know. To, like, think back, it's like, wait, how do we do that? What do we right. do without Wikipedia and YouTube? Even I like, look back and I'm like, well, what did I do when I got lost, like driving? And I'm like, right. I just pulled out the map and put it on my hood and figured it out, but, yeah. which seems like insane, but, you know. Yeah, um, and, and it's difficult. Like we humans adjust really quickly to stuff. 
and yeah. it's, it's difficult to kind of remember back to that. Um, oh, there was something else we were talking about in that previous episode that I wanted to bring up. Uh, what was it? I don't know. Well, sure. well, I have a couple more bullet points if it might. Okay, maybe, yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe that'll cover it. Uh, so let's see. Okay, so we cut. Well, we've already kind of I, another bullet point was states competing. Uh, and, you know, we were bring. I think we brought up Wyoming and, and some things. So we've already kind yeah. of covered that. Um, oil industry legal system in Texas. We we covered that in that episode. We've already kind of glossed over that. I mean, again, it, we don't need to spend a lot of time on it. But uh, Texas has energy strong views of property rights, um, an interesting independent streak that might come into play soon. Uh, and you know, that that's probably going to be pretty favorable towards Bitcoin and, and a mass of Bitcoiners that are, that are here, um, and Bitcoin industry. And then the last bullet point that I have from here is that we correctly picked China as the first to clamp down on Bitcoin. Which was kind of which, which was yeah. interesting. I think we waff, we we talked about it. I mean, we tossed it around, and everybody was offering all the inputs and saying, "Hey, we don't really know, but it it definitely it, it's probably going to be China or the U.S. and probably China." Uh, so th- that that was kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not sure we got it right for the right reasons, but but yeah. we got it right. <laughs> but what, what's uh, I I think this is what I wanted to talk about. Um, was that, and I kind of already lost it. Oh, was I going to, I did lose it. Holy cow. Um, oh, that's right. That's, that's what I wanted to say. I don't know if this is what I just a minute ago said what I wanted to bring up, but if you asked us two years ago, we were kind of assuming that there was going to be a lot more aggression from governments against Bitcoin. Yeah. And for the most part, they've kind of just not done anything. Yeah. Yeah, you're right, man. And even back then, we were kind of like, man, the longer they wait, the more difficult it's going to be. Well, and and that was before before MicroStrategy. Yeah. And they just kind of... It was before all of those big, big players started to really pile in. I mean, even Tesla has a, a pretty significant allocation. I think they have almost 50,000 yeah. 50, Bitcoin. Mass Mutual put it into their uh, life insurance. Their insurance fund. Yeah, it was before all of that happened, or at least before it was publicized. Yeah, and, you know, Fidelity's how bullish they are on, on yeah. stuff, and Goldman Sachs is coming out and saying they want to have uh, over-the-counter sales. Yeah, and, it, and it's not like we're big fans of of these big banking companies um but or at Again, least it's I, capitulation it's capitulation it, it, it's and and not only that but it's also it's also building a bulwark against government action because all of these companies want to do what make money and when you have all of these companies that are balls deep in bitcoin it and the government wants to go crack down on it well they're going to have lobbyists in their office saying hey what the hell are you guys doing um, we've all identified, you know, libertarians, not even in libertarian circles, but most people understand that Goldman Sachs is one of the players that pulls the strings of the government. Yeah. Like, that's just like common knowledge that Goldman Sachs basically controls a lot of the stuff that the government does. If they start getting involved in Bitcoin, <laughs> yeah. Like, what do you think is going to happen mm-hmm. with when the government says, 
hey, we want to clamp down on Bitcoin. And Goldman Sachs is like, uh, we've got major interest in Bitcoin. Yeah. <laughs> so like, dude, if you want to get elected, you might want to lay off. Yeah. Yep. Like, and and again, it's it's not that we support this cronyism and stuff and and these kind of backroom deals, but it is what it is. Yeah, I mean that's that's the way things work, and at least finally, it's a way that they're incentivized to promote something that's beneficial to the individual and the mm-hmm. average person, and not just. Yeah, you know, that's that's what's co- so great about Bitcoin. Yes, it benefits Goldman Sachs and those executives and you know, you can hate on them all you want, but at the same time it also benefits the the poorest guy in the world, literally. Yep. As long as they get well, even if they don't get on board Bitcoin right now, I mean eventually yeah. they will. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Because it's 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 got a, you know, the finite supp- supply and and that create certainty in the some sort of some degree of certainty in the economy that people are able to to do actual economic planning as opposed to the the chaos that is the fiat system that destroys wealth so as long as you're creating wealth in the economy it benefits everybody and i think i remember the point that i wanted i lost it all man i can't think tonight (laughs) um man i lost i i had it for half a second and i lost it again it was about building wealth or something Man, I don't know. That's frustrating. No. I had, I've had too much gin. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect for recording a signal episode. Um, yes, I'm out of I'm out of bullet points. But do you have anything else that you that was that was striking to you from from that previous episode? Yeah, the thing I can't remember. What were we just saying about uh, the poorest of the poor, and it's just a uh, rising tide lifts all ships, sort of. Yeah, deal. it creates wealth while fiat destroys it. Ah, oh, man. <laughs> well, oh, well, you'll have to tune in next week. I I'll, guess. I'll, I'll remember and then immediately forget again. Yeah. Well, that um, is frustrating. You ever have that where you like have oh, something yeah, and then within half a second, you can't, you can't recall it. Mm-hmm. And you're oh, like, yeah, how do I, how can I not remember this? Plenty of times. That's basically how I record time on earth. Yeah. And that's Rollin slappy too. <laughs> um, all right, so I, we're done reviewing our old episode. I think I, I'm pretty happy with with everything we we said. I mean, we got it remarkably yeah. correct. Um, What's really fun about that episode we did before is that you could listen to it now, and it would it still explain the world pretty well. Yeah, yeah. I think it was. I think it was. We we kind of knocked that one out of the park. Yeah. Um. So any uh, any th- predictions and stuff like that going going forward? Countries to next countries to fall. What's going to go on with the East West divide? Uh, anything like that? Um, so this is kind of a very different than how I was thinking in that last episode. But I think okay. the U.S. is way closer to adopting Bitcoin as legal tender than I would have thought before. Yeah, I agree. I agree. and and it comes back to to what we were just talking about with the big institutions adopting. Yeah, um, I, th- I think that they're pushing the action and the government uh, previously basically only had to deal with hodlers and, and you know, indi- you know, individual radicals and, and the, you know, what are often seen as the dregs of society, us fringers. Uh, but now it's it's becoming embedded into America as an institution, both um, state by state through the uh, capital expenditure and deployment of mining. 
and also the uh, wealth preservation from big institutions and, and life insurance is not not to be understated. Uh, companies like my emerging technology or technology companies like MicroStrategy and uh, Tesla and and these companies are are all all uh, you know gradually getting on board and uh, and some suddenly. Um, Jack with Cash App and you know I, I'm not saying everybody is doing it the exact right way or in um, in the cypherpunk ethos, but if you believe in what the value proposition of Bitcoin is and the technology that's driving it, it kind of doesn't matter why people get on board. Right. Uh, so really, you know, anybody, uh, all are welcome and for any reason that they want, just as long as you start getting rid of your fiat and getting Bitcoin, um, I don't think it really matters. So um, at least in the short run, you know, we just need to get to a place where Bitcoin is, is uh, able to be sent and received by value producers. And at that point, you know, the, the battle has more or less been won. We just need to clean up, you know, tie up the loose ends after that. Um, so, yeah, man, it's a, it's in two, another two years, we're going to be at another halving and God knows where we're going to be. Yeah. Yeah. I co-signed what you said right there. And, uh, only thing I could say is protect your Bitcoin, protect yourself. Yep. Everyone wants your Bitcoin. Yep. Don't let them yep. get it unless, unless, you know, you want them to have it because they're That's giving true. you something of, of value in exchange for it. So. Yep. Run a full node, verify the Bitcoin that you have, protect your private keys, protect yourself because you are still a soft target, regardless of how resilient the Bitcoin network is. Um, and uh, yeah, thanks a bunch, everybody, for listening. Thank you, Rolo, for coming on. This was really cool to, to go back. I think this is the first kind of big retrospective retrospect episode that I've done. And uh, it was kind of delightful to see that it turned out all right. <laughs> we're, we're not on here mourning the loss of Bitcoin, uh, you know, after we haven't mined a block in three years or, so, or, or a year or something like that. Yeah. So. The, the, this was a lot of fun because I, I, like I said in the beginning, like I, I referenced, have referenced this episode a lot in podcast episodes or on Twitter and everything, um, because it is a big question about, oh, what about, what about governments and, and jurisdictional arbitrage and stuff with this? And, like you said, I, th I think we knocked it out of the park two years ago. And yeah. so it is nice to actually like formally kind of sit down and, and hash through this stuff. Um, because it's, it's Bitcoin's working the way that it's supposed to. Yeah. Like this is, this is what happens when you have proper incentives aligned and you have order in the world. Yep as opposed to the chaotic system of fiat. It's incredible, man. It's all, it's just a really incredible to be able to be able to watch it and participate in it. It's really cool. Yep. So, um, all right, well, I, we should do definitely more of these episodes. Uh, I'm going to be more consistent on the signal, uh, releasing the remainder of the year. Uh, the beginning of the year was chaotic for me, speaking of chaos. Uh, and, um, anyway, uh, do, do you want to give plugs before we send it off? Sure. Yeah. Uh, check out the Rollin and Slappy show. We've been doing the uh, the Get On Zero series. We just released the 16th episode of that. Uh, we're doing it for 16 straight weeks where we explore living on zero fiat and being on a Bitcoin standard. And Carr was on that uh, kind of early on where he talked about uh, being on, on negative, uh, which is encompassed in all that stuff. You know, the idea is just to, to not hold dollars, however you do that. So if that means being in debt, 
awesome. Yeah. Make them, uh, you know, it, it turns the screws on them a little bit more. So you can check that out at mcflugel.com and also get on zero fiat.com. We post a lot of stuff up there and then at Liberty mugs on Twitter. Cool. Since, since I got killed by a tranny. <laughs> oh yeah. That's right. I forgot about that. Um, Babylon B just joined my ranks. Yeah. I saw that. Oh, yeah. Shame. Well, <laughs> uh, all right. Well, uh, I guess, uh, I will be working hard to bring another episode next month. Uh, thanks everyone for listening. We'll see you then. 